The reading this morning is taken from Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in all their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. Today is the first Sunday of Lent, and some of you may have decided that now is the time to give something up. Chocolate, cakes, nice glass of red wine. And how are you doing with that four days in? Brenda and I are still enjoying chocolates from Christmas. I don't know about you, but the minute someone says, I can't have something, I want it. It's a personal decision as to whether you give something up for Lent. But for most of us who are Christians, it is a time of reflection. And perhaps the time when we take something spiritual up rather than giving something physical up. Maybe reading a whole book of the Bible, spending more time in prayer, reading a Christian book. Whatever it is that helps you to reflect on Jesus in a new way during this time. And Lent is a time when many Christians use the time to reflect on our passage today. Jesus' time in the wilderness when he fasted and was open to temptation. So let's have a look at what was going on. This passage is in three of the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark and Luke, so it must have been important. But in each of these accounts, it's preceded by Jesus's baptism by John in the River Jordan. And reading about this from Mark's account, it says, One day, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and John baptised him in the Jordan River. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. This was a momentous occasion in Jesus' life. It marked the start of his ministry on earth and was the occasion when the Holy Spirit came upon him and God declared him to be his dearly loved son who brought him joy and with whom he was well pleased. It was God's public affirmation of him. But what happened next? After this great occasion, the Holy Spirit, who'd just come upon him like a dove, led him straight into the wilderness where he fasted and faced up to Satan. It's a familiar passage, isn't it? But let's try and see what it might say to each of us today here at Christ Church in Luton and in our current situation. 
When Brendan and I first found ourselves in church, we were invited to a confirmation group. I suppose it was a bit similar to Alpha before Alpha was invented. As we headed towards the day when the bishop would lay his hands on us, our vicar at the time explained several times over that this was a great occasion, one which celebrated our new life in Jesus, but that after that excitement, we could expect some trouble. And that has been the pattern for most Christians down the years. We have a positive spiritual experience of God, followed by a difficult time. It just seems like the enemy, the devil, likes to steal our joy and our newfound knowledge of God. He doesn't like it and will do anything to drag us away from God. It, it should be no surprise that this happens. If we are followers of Jesus, then we can expect that what happened to him may well happen to us. So after Jesus' confirmation by the Jordan River, what sort of temptations did he face? The first temptation was linked with vulnerability. He was fasting in the wilderness, and even after a couple of days, he would have been hungry. Satan comes along and suggests that he might like to change stones into bread, which would have been very easy for him to do as the son of God. And we read, but Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. To counter the temptation, Jesus reminds himself and Satan of God's word, quoting from Deuteronomy, saying that his time alone with God, listening to him and drawing on him is more important at this moment than physical food. The next temptation Jesus faced was to do with trust. It says, then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. The scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands. So you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Notice that Satan puts the question, if you are the son of God, just like he did in the first temptation. Now, have you ever done that exercise, that trust exercise where you fall backwards, trusting that those behind you will catch you? Well, that's exactly what Satan was trying to do with Jesus. He was putting Jesus's trust in his heavenly father to the test. Would the angels catch him? But there was no if for Jesus. He already knew who he was and had full trust in God and didn't need to put him to the test just to make sure. Jesus again quotes another scripture from Deuteronomy. He responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Now the third temptation has to do with authority and power. The reading says, next the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Now, the kingdoms of the world do belong to Satan. He got hold of them when Adam and Eve ate the apple. And Jesus wants them back. That is God's plan, that Jesus should reign in heaven and on the earth and that every knee should bow. So the devil is very sneaky here. He's offering to give Jesus what he came for. But Jesus knows if he accepts the offer, he'll become Satan's servant. To accept the offer would be the easy way out. But he knows that this is not God's plan. And he again quotes in Deuteronomy, 
Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Now, at that point, Satan gives up for the time being, although Jesus would face temptation throughout his ministry and angels came along to help him. So what can we learn from this passage that will help us in our walk with Jesus today? Satan caught Jesus when he was vulnerable. And that's what he will try to do with us today, whether it's physical, emotional or spiritual vulnerability. The enemy will try to take advantage. Our enemy is the father of lies, the thief who comes to destroy and the accuser. And we need to be aware of his schemes. If we are feeling vulnerable and we are having thoughts that we are useless, unloved or stupid, then we need to recognize that these are lies and not what God says about us. If we are having doubts that God cares for us, that he wants to speak to us, or that we are not going to be with him in heaven, then we need to remind ourselves of what God has said or done in the past and what he says in his word. Maybe we're having significant health issues and that's enough to make anyone feel vulnerable. But one of the temptations here is to fall into self-pity. We need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, keep praying and reminding ourselves that Jesus is the healer. The next issue that Jesus faced was one of trust. I don't know about you, but sometimes my trust in the Lord falters a bit for a while. Maybe it's a difficult work situation or relationship issues. Or in this current climate, there may be significant financial worries. Where is God in it all? It's easy to forget that God promises to provide for us if we trust him. Again, it's good to remind ourselves in these difficult times of what God has done in the past to give him our problems and worries and to receive his peace. We have to make a deliberate effort to work at putting our trust back in God and not relying solely on our own efforts. And what about if God asks you to do something for which you don't think you're qualified? Do we trust God to help us then? When our trust in God falters, the enemy can get a foothold and persuade us to place our trust elsewhere, to take our eyes off Jesus. This might be a particular issue for some at the moment, in the middle of a pandemic, when we are still in lockdown. There is a lovely hymn with a line that says, when Satan tempts us to despair, and that's what he will try to do in this situation. He'll be whispering to us that the situation is ho hopeless. The vaccines won't work. We will never get out of lockdown or see our friends or families again. I'm sure many of us have moments like that. But we need to put our hope in Jesus. The lovely hymn goes on, Upward I look and see him there. We need to remind ourselves our future is secure with him, whatever we face today. And we need to counter the enemy's sly whispers. In many situations, he will tempt us to be fearful when Jesus says over and over again, don't be afraid. The third attack Jesus faced was a temptation to worship someone or something other than God to allow it or them to have power over him. And for us, it's to have power over us. This is something that is really common today. As humans, we were made to worship. 
and God's plan is that we should worship him. But when we don't do that, we will automatically look for something else to worship. It's in our DNA. So today that could be money, status, a particular celebrity, a sport, or another ideology, anything that replaces God from being our number one. It's good to regularly do a spiritual MOT just to check where our heart lies and that we haven't given the devil a foothold by taking our focus off Jesus. So how did Jesus counter these attacks from the enemy? And what can we learn from his example? Well, it won't have escaped your notice that in each case he used scripture. And this is so important for us too. We really need to know our Bibles so that we can hold up our lives against the plumb line of God's word. Is what we feel or think about ourselves what God says about us? What should our view of money be? How should we respond to those people we don't much like? Really, without knowing the basics of God's word, we don't have any weapons to fight the enemy with. But we do need to be really careful here. You might have noticed that Satan also knows the scriptures well and quotes Psalm 91 to Jesus. We need to know our Bibles well enough to be able to place words in their proper context. After all, if you look hard enough, you can make the Bible say practically anything you want it to. Jesus spent time alone with God, and that's what we need to do. Whether it's a 40-day fast, well, that one's not for me, but daily time set aside to pray, meditate, or read our Bibles, an occasional retreat, or joining in with our Sunday services and belonging to a small group. These things will strengthen us and make us more aware of the enemy's attempts to spoil. Spending time with God will help us to understand our place in his kingdom. How are we to serve him? What gifts has he given us? How does he want to transform us? And when we know that, we are more able to recognise when the devil is trying to drag us off course. Without being overdramatic, the devil is out to destroy. To destroy our peace, to destroy our faith in God, to destroy our relationships with each other. And we need to recognise his schemes and fight back. Jesus quoted scripture to Satan, but I wonder if he was also using it to strengthen his resolve. In 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5, it says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Temptation may come in the form of something physical that we want to grab hold of, but often it comes in the form of ungodly thoughts. If we can recognise these quickly, we can take them captive, confessing them and countering them with God's word. We need to be aware of where our thoughts are leading us, being aware of what we are reading or watching on TV, who we are following on social media. And we need to use the armour God provides to protect ourselves from going down a wrong path. At the end of Satan's attempts to tempt Jesus, it says that angels came to help him. And just as he helped Jesus, God does not leave us alone. He has placed us in the fellowship of believers who are there to help us. And we are all to encourage each other 
And if we see one of our brothers and sisters struggling with something, perhaps heading in the wrong direction in an area of their lives, then we have a duty to come alongside them and help to redirect them. And if you are that person who is facing a temptation you are finding it hard to resist, then confide in someone you trust who can pray for you, support you and hold you accountable. God has promised in his word in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 from the message that no test or temptation that comes your way is beyond the course of what others have had to face. All you need to remember is that God will never let you down. He'll never let you be pushed past your limit. He'll always be there to help you come through it. Now, Jesus was tempted by Satan and we will be too. But temptations can also come from within ourselves. Sometimes you just need a bit more willpower to resist that extra piece of cake or the advert that says you deserve it when we know we can't afford it. Or when our own fallen nature spurs us to be greedy or to lie to get ourselves out of trouble, prefer to do our own thing rather than trusting God. One place they will never come from is God. James 1.13 says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. However, God will look at how we deal with temptation. So in that way, it is a test. He looks to see what is in our hearts. Of course, Jesus passed this test in the wilderness when he proved that he was the obedient son of God. As we come to a close, I just want to tell you a story. You may have heard it already, and certainly my home group have. But I think it is a really simple and helpful example of what to do when temptation comes your way. So once upon a time, there was a Christian couple and the wife commuted regularly to work on the same bus. As far as she was concerned, the marriage was going through a bit of a difficult patch and she was feeling a bit neglected. There was a man who also travelled into work on the same bus every day and eventually they got talking to pass the time. He was funny and attentive. They seemed to have lots in common, laughed a lot and she began to look forward to their conversations each day. Eventually, she realised she was beginning to be attracted to him, and it certainly seemed that he was attracted to her. As a Christian, although she was enjoying his company, this began to trouble her. Very bravely, very bravely, I think, she confided in her husband as she respected her marriage vows. She confessed her feelings for her fellow commuter, but didn't know how to manage the situation as she had to go to work and didn't want to appear rude to someone who would be so kind. After some thought, her husband turned to her and said, darling, catch an earlier bus. You see, the woman was vulnerable. She was feeling neglected and the enemy played right into the situation. But as a Christian, she was able to take her thoughts captive and confess them, seeking help from a fellow believer who came up with some simply godly wisdom to remove herself from the temptation. So that brings us to a summary of the things we can do to counter the enemy's attacks. As the woman in the story did, we can remove ourselves from the temptation. Stop watching things on TV that lead our thoughts in the wrong direction or join in on, joining in unhelpful conversations, or whatever it is for you, catch a different bus.
If like Jesus, we can't remove ourselves from the temptation, then we need to stand firm against the devil's schemes. We need to know what God says in his word. We need to put on the armor that he provides. And that helps us to stand firm. And you can read about that in Ephesians 6. It's absolutely vital that we spend time alone with God. This is what Jesus did. And we need to follow his example, asking him to strengthen us, teach us and fill us afresh with his Holy Spirit. We need to spend time in God's word, perhaps learning verses that can help us when we're vulnerable or when our trust is failing. We can, help, we can seek the help of a trusted Christian friend or leader to pray for us, support us and keep us accountable. And finally, we need to be alert to devil's schemes and be prepared for further attacks. He won't give up. But we know that Jesus has won the victory. And thank God that we can call on him for protection and help. And to that I say, Amen.